0: Hey, what's going on, guys? It's just after 6 p.m. on Friday, May 6th. Hopefully everyone's feeling feeling okay after uh, Cinco de Mayo, Cinco de Drinco. I don't drink, so I don't have an issue with hangovers, but I know a lot of my friends do today. We'll get started in a couple minutes. Uh, Looks like this might be a light call in, not as many people tuning in as the earlier sessions. Uh, I had to reschedule, um, of all things, I actually had to help my wife. (laughs) Um, she was, uh, not stiffed on help, but her friend was supposed to help her out and I had to step in, be a good husband. So we'll get started in a minute. If it's only a few of us, that's fine. We won't. Uh, we won't be long. We'll probably be on for just under an hour, but give you guys plenty of time to ask questions, hop on, you know, shoot the breeze, all that stuff. So let me give it another minute. I just shared the link again, and I'll try to keep an eye on the uh, chat too, because there's like a little chat. So if you don't want to talk, you can type your questions. And, uh, yeah, we should be good to go in a second. All right, cool. What the hell? We'll get it started now. Um, it'll be an intimate call-in. All right, so like all the other call-ins, you know, none of this is financial advice. This is just, you know, my opinion, um, how I'm looking at the market, how I'm playing the market, and, uh, yeah, we, you know, everything is fair game. We uh, don't delve into religion or politics, but markets haven't really been that exciting lately. I mean, if you're a trader, it's one thing, but if you are one of the many people that are out there looking to like place a trade and step away for a couple of weeks it's just not the right environment for that. There's, you know, going back to January of this year, I was saying that it just, it's with the fed, um, being the way they are, it's, it's not, we're not in an accommodative environment for like just blind risk taking. Um, so just to briefly touch on you know, FOMC um, came and went. I mean it was the most anticlimactic FOMC. Uh, you know the the expectation was fifty basis points. We got fifty basis points. Um, the sort of first half hour transpired in in a pretty predictable fashion. In that you know the first move that you get is is usually worth fading. I I mechanically trade the first move. Um, with like less significant size, but when I say mechanically trade it, I try to enter in as fast as possible with with a, a bracket order and I try to clip myself at, at most like 150 basis points and, and just capture that small move. Um and that's me clipping myself at, you know, one and a half percent, understanding that it could run. It could run like two and a half, three percent, you know, three hundred and fifty basis points. It, it 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 usually overextends, right? You get a lot of people like chasing any kind of green candle, Um, any red candle too, right? The first move, people just kind of pile in because they expect, you know, some kind of massive continuation. That never happens, right? It always completely unfolds, and usually the move after after the initial uh, rate release is much more um, intense than the initial spike. So you'll get like, I'll mechanically trade the first spike in and out, you know, happy to take what I normally predict to get uh nine times out of ten. And then the big move is the one that follows where you have a bunch of people piling and the momentum completely dries up. It's a bunch of late positioning and then it unwinds and usually takes the entire structure with it. So, you know, I in a live stream the last um in the the last week I had sort of I I gave everyone my notes for previous FOMCs and, and price action that led into them and what happened in the in the minutes after, the half hour after, the hour after Um, and this was just completely lackluster. So what we ended up doing was spend about 30 minutes in a 1% range, which is just kind of uh, unheard of, at least in in recent history. Uh, And the FOMC is one of the most significant trading days of the year. Um, These events, CPI, non-farm payroll, these are, at least in in legacy markets, these were always very significant events for me to trade. So um, this was not an exciting one. Uh, and then, so you get the rate release and then it's okay. The most important thing is let's get some clarity in the conference. Um, and it was like, I I asked on Twitter and and literally like two minutes later, the answer was given. It's like, can we please just get, you know, these reporters are just asking questions to get some kind of headline that they could, you know, that they could write on. Um, that's like clickbait worthy. Like it it should have been ended. Right. And finally we get to the point it should have been ended after they asked about, uh, so I I had said, you know, when are they going to. Are we going to get some kind of clarity around 75 basis points, right? That kind of haymaker. And Powell had said, you know, no, it's not something we're considering. Cool. They should have just ended it right there. Right. We got like this kind of fart of a rally off of that. Um, And then obviously, you know, we're we're where we are right now. Market completely unwinded. Now, it's it's not for nothing. Like I was mentioning this. I was either saying this this morning or the day before, like Powell definitely didn't. they, They don't like the fact that the market's going to be rallying, right? Um, off a comment like that right it's it's they, their language has been recently that and i mean might might not be powell's language specifically um but the language of plenty of others and others that have left uh jobs at the fed which are usually they're, they're obviously going to be a little bit more li- liberal with their language because they don't have anything to lose at that point um they could essentially like spill the spill the beans and and the uh the recipe so the beans and the recipe right um so that's not something that they, they're really too excited about, right? They, they, there's been pretty specific language with respect to I forgot who said it, but actually, you know, more or less trying to smack the market a little bit, right? Um because the market is somewhat of a representation of you know, the the amount of speculation in the market, the amount of froth that was in the market for the last, you know, not obviously the last couple of months, but for a really long time. Um you know, th- this is not something that they want to continue to see and in a high inflation environment. I'll uh, just put it that way. Uh, so, you know, right now we're obviously clearly much lower than where we were leading in. Uh, but we have, you know, we have the CPI coming up uh, next Wednesday. Um, there's plenty of people that, that, that think that inflation is peaked. I think that you probably at least have, and this is not, uh, this is, you know, my thoughts are a combination of what I absorb. And I think Bianco was talking pretty eloquently about it. Um, I, I think you have probably at least another one to two months. Uh, one thing that he referenced was um, Car Guru's Index, which is the index of, of used car prices. It's not the same as the, uh, I guess it's Mannheim, which is the auction prices, a little bit more upstream. Um, but Powell, throughout the, uh, my interpretation of the FOMC was it was really hawkish. Uh, until he got to the, you know, until he clarified the 75 basis point um, until he answered that question. My interpretation was that they were still like really specific or he was very specific about inflation being the number one issue, you know, their main priority, everything revolving around inflation. And I have a couple of friends that are macro traders that Um, are a lot more in the know than I am because as I've mentioned many times before, like I've, I, you know, unless you go back to like my way early days when I was just getting involved in markets, my, my, my activity in markets has been very short term. I'm not talking about like tick chart short term, Um, but I've always been more, I've always been more uh, interested in what is happening, you know, between today and maybe the next week as far hours will go. Unless we're obviously in a you know an environment where the fed's levers pulled and there's plenty of liquidity and I'm a little, and obviously a lot more willing to hold longer positions when I have a better feel for what the you know larger secular trend is but we have uh you know we have a, a high inflation environment um there's rumors that and I'm touching on some of the friends I was just talking about that they're they want to see us get into like a minor recession um that that's maybe one of their goals. It's all conjecture, right though it it's it's hearsay it's an opinion but um there's one thing that's really clear it's that the market is it, it feels like that might have been like our our last chance at you know maybe a significant rally because we're going to a period where i don't think you should really expect much you know i, I said um and i was talking to um the uh, FTX a guy who i know who's behind the account of Of the FTX access. And we're just saying how it's just probably a better idea to come back after Labor Day. Um, So this is not with respect to like, if you're a short term trader, it's great. Like you could really squeeze a lot. You can't, you know, it's not maybe the most conducive environment for all traders, but, you know, because there's difference in liquidity now than there was, you know, going months back, but you could still still pull money out of this market. Uh, If you are, again, if trading is something that, you know, you have a proven track record and you're not just kind of like pulling a lever at the casino every day, um, just going through the motions. So I, 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 the way I, just to cover really quickly, I mean, we, right now, we have tenure yields at 13, um, 313. Uh, if we got above 325, I think that is, that would be the first time that we actually made. a a higher high, right? So that might be territory where maybe we could expect the Fed to possibly pivot. Um, But I mean, the S&P, we saw a little bit of the VIX, we saw the VIX come down a little bit um, post FOMC uh, as some of those hedges were unwound, uh, right, leading in. But I, I just don't see, I don't see the demand across markets right now. They just look extremely lackluster. Um, favoring lows of a, you know, this is the second quarter, but, you know, first quarter is, is uh, a very clean range. Favoring the lows right now from a contextual risk-reward standpoint, you know, I was like arguing this with myself this morning. From a contextual risk-reward standpoint, this would be an area where, again, you could really cleanly define a position. But if you're wrong around this, you know, sort of gap between where we sit right now down to like the low 30s, if you're wrong, it could get really ugly really fast. So you might be able to say, "Oh shit!" really quickly and have an idea on the chart where you would want to get out because it's like right against it. But the chance, the chances are, you know, liquidity is your ability to to trade with a counterparty. So the chances are that you'll be able to find someone that will, you know, get you out without losing your, you know, losing your hat um, is another thing. So I um I'm, I'm very just focused on on the short term right now. I I, I can't see how, how people are looking weeks out and calling for much higher targets or even much lower targets, because, you know, the norm has been that we're within a range. We're in a smaller range within a larger range. And just to expect that if any trend was going to continue, it's going to be it, the trend is that we're going to be moving sideways and and just completely punishing both sides, which has been the case now for for as long as I can remember now. Right. Every time that we break through what seems like a significant level on lower time frames or market structure on the lower time frames. um one side, you know, the other, the bulls or the bears get really excited, um, get really crowded into an area. And then it's just, it's this PVP sort of poaching environment where, you know, it's just something that you experience. Like, I would say like one of the best things someone could do is if they want to get a feel for how, how the market works, um, especially when you're like a larger trader is go trade a shit coin with like, go trade a really low float, thin shit coin with like, I don't know, Semi-significant amount of money. You'll see how the market responds to you actually getting involved. So when you have a market that is moving mostly sideways, OI, the change in open interest from market maker activity is pretty um, predictable. The change in open interest from just basic trading activity for normal volume is predictable. And then you go through uh, you know a, a level on the chart that everyone's focusing on, and you see that open interest just kind of you know rockets. Um, it's very easy for larger fish, you know, whether it's uh, larger directional players, larger, you know, whether it's you know adversarial market makers to squeeze that side of the market. Right. Because it's very clear where that where, you know, where most of that risk was tagged on. It's very obvious that that came in, you know, through a level. So let's see what happens when we push the market against that point. Right? There's like an edge, and especially in this kind of environment, there's an edge in getting, you know, offside traders to puke. Um, that's largely in part how markets work in general, but, you know, when they're sort of left through their own devices, um, and there's no, you know, there's no underlying larger trend, right? So, um, it's a pretty crappy market right now. Uh, I wouldn't expect a whole lot, like even, again, this is from just the way I look at it, this is an ugly breakdown, right? Like we've been within a range for the last you know, for the last year, so go back to the beginning of the year, we're like favoring the lows of the range, you know, one standard deviation away from where most of the volume came in. Um, So by all means, you know, hanging out in this area, you would expect, hey, this thing has to break down to, you know, the lows of the entire range, which goes down all the way to the low 30Ks, you know, 29K region. But yeah, it could do that, but it could do that like another month from now, right? It is all contingent on, you know, what the S&P is going to be doing, but if there's any time to rally, It could be, you know, uh, over the weekend when we don't have to really worry about traditional markets. Although we could just see sideways chop as, you know, there's not much interest in trading this right now, period. So those are my thoughts. Let me just open it up because I don't want to ramble too long. So whoever wants to hop on, feel free to hop on and we'll uh, get it started. And you know what I think I'm going to do for the next call in? I, I uh I had to change of time of on this once. So I didn't want to surprise anybody for like what the format would be. But um for the next call and what I'll do is like if we if if multiple people want to come on and, and um open up their line then we could have like, you know, five or six of us that are you know constantly have uh open line of communication. And it could be similar to like what a Twitter spaces would be sometimes if you you know if you have uh the patience to join any of those because some of them get Pretty out of hand and pretty immature. But all right, so opening up the floor. Speak now or forever hold your peace. Or don't, you know, because we have forty-five minutes, so just trying to think if there's anything else I want to touch on. No. Marathon, what's up, buddy?
1: Oh, there we go. Can you hear me?
0: Hey, pal. What's up, man?
1: How are you, Ben? Oh, Oh, good. It's It's been staying busy lately. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think uh, macro-wise, like, if you wanted any opium, the only thing I'd point out is that, you know, we have CPI coming up. um, And it actually, I mean, so far, kind of the the predictions are showing, or I'm trying to find this on my... Bloomberg, but I think the year over year is um, actually supposed to put in uh, a tick down to like 8.1% is the median projection right now um, for headline and the month over month uh, is projected at like 0.2%. So, I mean, if you're looking for something for the market to kind of grab on um, and say, you know, uh, there there may be reason for the fed to uh, kind of have reached max hawkishness then that's one i mean i agree that powell came out with just like a hawk stump speech and you know just because they're not doing 75 bips doesn't mean that we're going to be in accommodative conditions anytime soon but um you know i do think that people are still uh you know as you said position for up to upside kind of in the latter portion of this year and um you know there's been I mean, equities work, look worse than crypto in many ways right now. And so, uh, you know, depending on where you see the Fed put actually kicking, which could be a lot lower than people expect. Nonetheless, once things do turn, I mean, as we saw last time, crypto is going to be the first thing to rip. I just don't I don't think that we're really there yet. So it's a little bit of biding time. But, you know, as you mentioned, uh, some opportunities out there, if, uh, if you're willing to wait, it's just going to be grueling and hopefully uh, – you know, don't lose all your money in the process.
0: Yeah, I think that's actually the most important thing. Like, I I mean, even like like lately, I've I've taken some more time away from the screens because, I mean, we know that eventually the Fed is going to have to to pivot off of QT. Like, whether it's, whether we get to the point where something breaks um, or they start to see, you know, some kind of material material results, um, even though I, I don't think like, raising rates. Uh, I don't think anyone thinks that it's actually going to have any kind of significant impact on inflation. Um, but once they do pivot, it, I mean, sometimes it is as simple as, you know, don't fade. Just, they are the biggest buyer. The don't, right. They are, you know, right now the biggest seller. Um, so don't fade that environment. Right. And there's a lot of people, the, the thing is like when the turn happens, there's, there's going to be a lot of people that up until that point have continued to just, buy the high of every rally that's been sold off and, and you get to that point and you have, you know, your portfolio is, is completely cut. Um, And then when it does pivot, it's like you have people initially that are very doubtful of that. And they continue to just fade. What is, you know, clearly the the green light for the entire market. I think we're like, I think we still have like my opinion, I, I can't see, I could see this happening in like, you know, Zoltan said something about QE resuming in 20, what did he say? Like by, 20 summer 2023 yeah
1: i mean that's certainly possible i don't know like um i mean one other thing to look at is uh that the five-year high yield uh credit default spreads are getting up i'm basically now at the peaks that they were in 2018 I, i know that's something the fed looks at as well and it's not exactly a healthy sign for credit markets so i mean you could have it come sooner but you know i was talking about like some of our, of our derivatives traders thinks uh, that S&P could, could tick to 3K this year. I mean, like, I think the general idea is that um, they're going to let it go a lot further than they had in the past because the the political pressures are all towards crushing inflation and not towards supporting asset prices in a way that we haven't really seen, kind of post-Volker. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> it, it could be a bit of a ride. I, I, I I'm I bet that and, you know, it also kind of lines up with previous cycles where 2019 was a a much better year, all things considered, than 2018 for crypto or kind of the year after the bull mania um, is, uh, you know, quite a bad time to to be involved. And then um, the market starts to recover and there are actually some good medium term opportunities, uh, especially, you know, if the Fed starts being more accommodative next year uh, and stocks are at least not. I mean, stocks are probably going to finish double digits down this year, realistically, unless the yeah. Fed pivots. So, I mean, that's just tough, especially with the correlation bots kind of turned on in a way that they haven't been uh, in the past.
0: Yeah. And I mean, if the Fed, like the like one of the more popular assumptions is that the level is like 20 percent off the high for the S&P. That's like there's no yeah. way that it's, it's probably that. way more around 30 and below at this point, which puts you yeah. around 32 down to 3K. Well, um, I'm not but even
1: convinced I, it's really an equities level. Like, I think it could be either, like a you know, as I mentioned, like something with um, you know corporate borrowing costs, or uh, you know, some level in treasury yields that you and know, gets uncomfortable with and just makes a call over to the other side and you know says it's time to kind of cap this. Um, so uh, you know, I'm not con- I'm not convinced it's equities, and you know, I mean, some of these Nasdaq names are just Crushed, and there, there's no hope. It's insane. Like, so, like, it's know, insane. I mean, the chances that that spreads to other parts of the equity markets are pretty high. Uh, yeah. I would say, you know, um, and you know, Netflix has got another fifty percent to go. Right, <laughs> they're down, they're down yeah. seventy or so. I mean, there's no, so that's not supportive. But I mean, if the credit, I mean, like everything happens so quick, like. In the first couple months of this year, like we saw treasuries get to just levels that were completely unexpected, much faster than expected before even the Fed was able to hike. And I think it's also possible, I mean, not for sure, but possible that, um, you know, credit spreads and yields continue to move just so much faster than people are anticipating that the, the Fed needs to end up kind of uh, continuing to look a bit clownish and turn back on their word faster than people expected.
0: Yeah, I mean, the two-year in the beginning of the year was ripping up like a low-flow chip coin.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty wild.
0: But, I mean, I listen, it's I think, like, the at the end of the day, it, it if you could just take off for the next... I mean, for most people, it would just be better off just being flat and taking off until all green lights are back on, you know, until it's, like, really clear that they're pivoting. Um, it's not that, I mean... It, it sucks right now, but like I'm not. I'm just having been around long enough. I'm. I'm still very optimistic that whenever, like you, I, you touched on it actually in the beginning. So I'm just reiterating what you said that when that situation does come, that crypto is going to be the first to, to you know, lead market um, yeah. markets as a whole. Well, and and not always, for nothing.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say just not for nothing. I think if anything, it's it's a little bit more to our benefit now if that crypto is more correlated to equity markets because I think that the, like the amount of correlation could potentially help it where we don't have to have like our own sort of much longer independent cycle of equities. And if equities are going to continue to just outperform in a new environment, then I think crypto can, you know, can go through without having a a much longer, more extended, you know, sideways correction.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I, I would say is like just for whenever the the, the pivot happens. Like, I mean, a lot of asset managers and other institutions have come a long ways in just getting onboarded to the various you know custody and other systems they need to just participate in the ecosystem. And they all watched, you know, two years ago when um, Bitcoin you know outperformed every other asset in the world off the COVID lows. And there's no way that you know, an order of magnitude more money isn't going to want to participate in that next time. It's really going to look pretty similar as far as uh, uh, policy shifting towards easing uh, probably in a pretty sharp way. I mean, the chances that they're able to just reach some neutral rate and keep it there for a long period of time, I think are are pretty low. So uh, people are, uh, you know, always apt to copy, you know, what's worked most recently. And I think uh, going, you know, with both hands buying crypto majors on liquid markets if prices are good and the Fed loosens is going to be a pretty popular trade.
0: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's great points,
1: man. Yeah. Anyway, it's good to catch up. Uh, been busy. Likewise. Haven't been able to pop in for a bit, but hope you're well.
0: Well, you too, man. I know you're. uh yeah. You're busy with what you're doing now, so yeah. All right. Peace. Steve. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Alright, who wants to hop on? We have about a half hour of time left. What's going on with Tron? Hmm, just saw a Hasaka post. Sorry, Tron near pair. See, I'm I'm completely avoiding like trying to if like if I'm going to be buying the dip with BTC, I, I'm not someone who just spreads myself across the board with multiple line items and and tries to completely reaccumulate alts. I see a lot of people doing that for the last couple months, and I'm not talking about like there's there's times when I will absolutely play for bounces for BTC with like stronger leading pairs in the market, but um, I think if you've been around now since January and seen how the market has behaved. With each rally, it's like you could very easily see why so many people lose everything they made from a bull market on the backside. Okay, does anyone else want to hop on? I mean, I wish I had more to talk about today, guys. I uh, I'm actually a
1: little tired because
0: my wife had me. Helping her early involved taking a bunch of, uh, doing a bunch of heavy lifting. Um, oh, cool. Bully. Hey, what's up? Just, uh,
2: Hey, what's going on, man?
0: Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Um, well, I just popped in here. Didn't, I, I guess I missed all the market, uh, chatter. But um, I did want to ask, like, what's your approach uh, with, with this platform, this app here? I see you don't have uh, many followers. Are you uh, looking to, like, maybe branch off and start using this instead of, like, Twitter spaces or, like? just? No, I mean, I, so
0: right now I have uh, – so my personal page on this account doesn't have a lot of followers, but that's not really the thing that Colin measures. It's the followers for the show. So Colin is a, a relatively new app. So they're – about, like, I, I've been working with Colin now and partner with Colin now for like the last six months. Um, David Sachs is the head of Colin. So if uh, you're familiar with like the all in pod with Chamath Palai um, David Sachs is on there as well. But it's it's a great platform. They are now available for not only uh, for the longest time it was only available for iPhone users. Now you can listen in from Android. Uh, you could also listen in from your computer as well. I mean, it's a little different than spaces like spaces. Are not recorded, right? You you can elect to record, I think now, but these are all um, these are all archived. Uh, the transcripts are saved. They're all recorded. You could access them on Apple. You could access like you could listen into this podcast from Apple and Spotify as well. Um, so yeah, I've been. I mean, I've been helping them grow their platform, grow their reach. Uh, they were uh, kind enough to invite me to host my own show. Um, I, I, I never really got into the whole Twitter spaces thing and it might be because like when Twitter spaces were becoming a little bit more popular, uh, Colin had, uh, reached out to me and it was just, you know, a timing thing, but yeah, I, I'm sticking with this and yeah, the, the plan is to absolutely grow it. I, I do this once a week. So I hop on Fridays, usually 1 PM has been the most consistent time. Uh, I always talk about expanding on that. So whether that means like hopping on midweek, because I have, I've I have been somewhat flexible. Uh, at the end of the day, like I, I try to, and this is like I was telling people who, uh, occasionally I would stream, and and then I would say I wanted to stream more, and then I would not stream for a couple of weeks, and it's because at the end of the day, like I'm not a, like a content producer, uh, I'm I'm a trader. So if I could fit something in, during like a a, a lull or a, a dry period. Um, I absolutely will, and and now because the market has been more accommodative of that, I can afford to spend more time and and give back to people that, you know, the reason I like to do this, the honestly, the the call-ins and the streams more is because of the sheer amount of volume that I'm inundated with in my direct messages, like all day, at least 20 to 50 messages a day, just asking, you know, everyone's kind of asking the same question. close. Right. Um, So I think that this is good because it allows people to have, you know, they know in advance a time that I'll be available to if they do want to come on and sort of, you know, pick my brain, ask those questions. Um, You know, like I said, shoot the shit. doesn't really matter. There's no real, you know, there's no larger agenda. We talk about crypto. The show is crypto oriented. But, you know, you could imagine there's plenty of times in the market when crypto is not even really worth talking about. So, yeah, that's um, that's my call and spiel. I don't really have an interest in, in Twitter spaces. I, I, like, uh, I like the team. I, I got to know the team so far. Pretty loyal to people that I like.
2: Well, thank you for all that information, man. Um, quick question about the market. Uh, what, what is the catalyst that maybe you're looking for, you know, to maybe have more comfort in a uh, next uptrend and maybe, you know, more liquidity coming back into the market?
0: I mean, I mean, at this point, the, the, catalyst are, <clears throat> the catalyst is pretty well known because right now it's just, as I started in the beginning, it's just a non-accommodative environment from, from the standpoint of the Fed's lev- liquidity lever is not pulled. It's pulled in the opposite direction. So you know, the, the saying for the longest time has been, you know, don't fade the Fed, right? Um, especially, you know, post-March 2020 when they're like the, the largest buyer in the market. Like, if you are a trend follower, for example, uh, and you're a trend follower in the equities market, you're a trend follower really in any market, a lot of times, like, people are trying to ride the backs of larger flows, right? So you want to be able to identify larger flows in the market, ride that momentum, be able to take advantage of that, sort of like how those those small little fish ride alongside whales and sharks in the ocean. Um, So you're trying to look for that, right? When you know that the Fed is doing that, it's pretty explicit. And at that point, it just becomes, you know, don't psych yourself out of the trend, right? So things have drastically changed, right? We're in a period of quantitative tightening. So it's the exact opposite. So now what you have is people that are constantly looking for, like, the market to have some kind of tailwinds that are going to be really just completely left to their own internal devices, right? Because the Fed is the Fed is not there. Um, and they're doing everything... That you would normally expect would crush uh, risk assets, and and crypto has traded like a tech stock for a while now. Um, crypto has been, you know, highly correlated with legacy. It's been correlated to the Russell, the S and P, Nasdaq equity indices as a whole. Um, it's higher beta, right? So it's it's further it's the first one of the furthest things out the risk curve. So any kind of period of tightening, um, rising interest rates you're going to see it suffer. So when there's a pivot that's explicit with respect to either them backing off of tightening, or if it's even as explicit as them going back to QE, that is like the ultimate signal and catalyst that you could, that you as well could pivot on. Rather you could get reinvolved, or, or, um, you know, whatever that entails. Um, there's obviously, th- there's it's more than likely that things might not be as explicit as you know Powell coming on and saying, "Well, guess what? Today, guys, we're stopping and we're going back to buying." Right? So this is where like certain people are obviously much better at at picking up on changes in tone and language, and you know Powell leans in or leans out. But I think that it's it right now. It's clearly not the time, um, and until yeah as we were talking earlier and marathon uh, who's much more versed in this than i am he was a, a rage trader uh something either has to break um or something has to really improve with respect to inflation because that is their number one priority right now and and what is hard to you know i guess um what what is like incongruent is that it's it's hard to Entertain the idea that they would want to hurt the market because you know, as I've I've called the S and P the happiness index before, and and if you if you remember like Trump's term, it was like the it was the barometer of his success, the state of the economy, how how good the United States was. It was like look at the S and P, look at the S and P, right? The happiness index. You know, if you think about people's four hundred one k's, retirement accounts, so that's the first thing you think like, okay, they're not going to squash this because they're going to ruin people's lives. But it it seems. That they've clearly been more interested in in squashing inflation, which also is is ruining plenty of lives. You know, it's it you know it's ruining lives. It's hurting people's pocketbooks. Um, it's it's hurting people's wallets. I don't wear a pocketbook, but get get my drift. But uh, that that is their main priority right now. So things really have to change um, with respect to those details. And until that occurs, like there might be things that like. I don't think you're going to get any kind of idiosyncratic activity in crypto that is not taking place in legacy, right? Like, for example, I I don't think that the, that's like a little too verbose. I don't think that uh, crypto is going to decorrelate from legacy on its own and, you know, that we'll have some kind of structural signal to get behind. Like, for example, I mean, there are cases where if we were to completely retake prior levels in market structure, that it might make sense to buy higher. Right. If we're suddenly trading back above forty five, holding that level, and that level had been contested for so long the entire first quarter, um, and now we're trading back above it and we're holding and, and you know, you're seeing that it's being sold and it's holding, then that's a different story, right? And it's sold and holding is just nuanced. Um, you know, my interpretation of seeing the market, you know, it, us being able to retake the level so, you know, sell into it. You could look at a bunch of different things, funding, open interest, Delta, yada, yada, yada. But the idea of it holding, right? Flipping. Um, that might be a case where I'd be willing to buy higher, like much higher. But I don't think we're going to see any kind of drastic changes. I don't think we're going to see an all-time high in the near term future. Um, I, I doubt we see an all-time high until 2023 at least. So, I mean, that was probably a lot, but I don't think we're there yet. Um, again, things can change. They've been changing pretty quickly. Uh, but I mean we're just gonna have to play it as it as it comes. Right now it, it definitely isn't, right? Right now it's it's a, a very unaccommodative environment. Um, if you're a short term trader, it's great. But if again, like I said in the beginning, if you're just trying to like place a, a very comfortable position and step away from it. I, I've mentally done this a, a bunch of times. Like I've I've seen price looking really good. And this is like a mental exercise that I've done always. I've seen things look really good. I've in the moment interpreted them in like a very bullish fashion. I've seen, you know, the, the indices look decent as well. And then I've marked off on my chart. Okay. This is where you thought that things might improve, right? Things really looked well here, right? Everyone was, you know, it could have been a bunch of things that I was adding into that formula to, you know, mark off on my chart. Okay. This is where you might've pivoted. Let's see what happens. Right. I'm not, I'm not, Inspired enough to actually get majorly involved, but I just want to see how things unfold a couple of weeks from now. And I've done that almost the entire, you know, the entire year now. And every time I've felt somewhat good and, and the market team like it possibly was going to, you know, put in some kind of larger move up, you've just completely nuked through and, and it hasn't really been much work, honestly, to undo any price action to the upside. It's been tough moves up, easy moves down. So. We're, not, uh, we're definitely not there yet. Whenever we're there, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll shoot you a DM.
2: <laughs> Yo, thanks, man, for all that. I, I appreciate even just being able to talk to you. and pick your brain, too. Of
0: course, man. If you got anything else, feel free to ask. Otherwise, we'll let someone else on. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to it being, and I kind of hang it on this term, just explicit at this point. Like there's been many times in the last couple of months where, you know, myself and, and, and honestly, a bunch of other really smart, well-respected traders have been sort of captivated in the moment and thought, Hey, maybe like, maybe the fed doesn't have to, we don't have to wait for this to explicitly come from the fed, but we're, maybe we're going to be on our way soon. And, uh, and we're not going to have to deal with this long protracted, shitty um, activity. Right? It's about the most eloquent I could put it, but it hasn't worked out that way. And I, th- I think if like if there's one thing I could say, and this is you know, after years of just trading and and being in markets, it's that really no one knows. The people that you respect the most, the people that you think are that get it right more often than not, when it comes down to this stuff, everybody has whiffed. I've seen, you know, myself included tons of times, you know, you're going to be wrong so many times. Right. And and the point is just the most important thing is that you just don't die when you're wrong. Like, right? Um, it's not about being right. It's just about when you are wrong that you just don't die out there. But everybody that I can think of that You know, a lot of people would probably look to as maybe a beacon or a signal in this market. Everybody is whipped. So it's a tough environment right now. Um, What's up, Ann? Let me get you on here. Hey, you just have to uh, unmute yourself. Can you hear me? Yeah, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Um, I just have like a two-part question, kind of. I was just wondering, um, like, do you see Bitcoin going below thirty k during this kind of bearish time? And then uh, the next part is just um, with the ETH merger coming up. Do you think like the Solana, Luna, and Avalanche are going to outperform ETH? Uh, okay, so first part, do I think that BTC can go below thirty? Um, so I'll, I'll answer it a few different ways. One. Just in my time now, being here through multiple cycles, uh, any time that I've ever thought, like, or even had the hint of a thought in my head of, hey, I don't think it's going to do this, uh, every time I've had that thought or that expectation, the market has always exceeded my expectations. So, and Bitcoin is it's just highly reflexive, right? So, the idea, can it go below thirty? Absolutely, right? Would it go? Would if there was one thing to just completely blow everyone's minds and. And honestly, make everyone shit their pants. It would be, it would be crypto, right? It would be BTC, right? It's constantly done what is you know least expected. It's, and it, it is like as close to as like an, an ergotic asset as possible. Like markets are non-ergodic, meaning that they don't visit all possible states. But shit, Bitcoin seems like it does. Um, hopefully, it visits states above six figures, right? But I, I absolutely think it can. I don't. I don't like to think outside of, you know, so I'm not like a TA dude, so to speak. I mean, I'm a technical trader, but I'm not a TA guy. I, I focus on the levels where I think there's going to be a lot of activity and a lot of participation. 30K region seems like one that would bring in a ton of participation. And and what I mean is, like, if you're an investor, if you're a position trader, you could still look at this market and say, all right, looks intact. Right. You know, I don't have really any reason to change too much. Um. You know that thirty K level is is probably for a lot more people their level than any kind of level within the range, right? Because it's a major major contextual level. It defines a structure that is you know going on over a year long now. So from when I see a level like that, I think it's uh I think it's the scariest looking level on the chart. So I think it's probably the best level to get involved. Um, it's probably ripe with liquidity so if we if we broke down below 30 i think you get something that looks ugly and and if it recovers quickly it's probably a buy right but i i think the idea that it can't break is you know it's it's of course it can break i, I don't think outside of it though like i'm not thinking all right so my levels are 30 22 13k like if my level's 30 because the closest one to us now well, you know we'll We'll evaluate the market if we get to that point, And then maybe we'll talk about lower. If we're just going based on market structure, if I were to look at this chart and see it as like a trend on the five minute, the one minute, the lower time frames, intraday, I look at the structure between 30 down to 13 as more or less a gap, right? It was an area that, of course it was a weekly chart. So a candlestick is four data points, but you know, it's a weekly chart, so it has a lot more data within it, right? It's got a lot more substance than something on like that skirts across an area on the one minute chart, but there, there was no real test within that structure. Buyers were mostly on, they were tested, but it's a pretty one way high conviction move, right? A very strong trend. That was like that move from October, 2020 all the way up to April, 2021, that was one-sided, right? Usually that, if I'm looking at a structure like that within the intraday, I look at that as an area that if price goes into that level, like if we don't reject from that thirty k region if we start accepting into that gap, then on just how I trade gaps and and voids and vacuums on principle alone, then I think you could move down through there pretty quickly. That doesn't mean anything though right because like there are plenty of people that that it's size that'll dictate the shape of the market so I could look at that structure and see a gap between thirty or like twenty nine, all the way down to, you know, thirteen, from a volume standpoint, from like a volume profile standpoint. But a big buyer can step in at twenty five and change things. You know, a a multitude of buyers can step in at a level that doesn't exist on the chart. Um, So the most important thing I would, I guess, I would say is like don't think of anything as impossible in this market because it's done the impossible constantly. You know, to March twenty twenty was, uh, you know, probably like a statistical anomaly, um, uh, multi sigma event. But you know, those once in a those events that are those events are supposed to happen once every million years, right? If you're like a statistician and you're talking, th- th- these things are supposed to happen once in a million years. They happen once every five years in markets, but. I just would not think of anything as impossible in this market. So absolutely could break below 30. I'm not thinking about that level yet because we're not there. So I just, I don't want to, I don't only have so much bandwidth, right? I can't think about all possible outcomes in this market. From a market structure standpoint, like I said, though, like their all-time high is between us. So it's, you know, prior all-time high 2017. um, It's like right around 20K. We've never retested a prior all-time high. I don't think that means anything. You know, crypto has such a, small sample to judge. I think historical evidence is not really useful honestly anyway, so that, you know, works for both sides because one, you have completely new participants in the market post COVID and that means that you're going to have different behavior on the low time frames, a different type of buyer at at, you know, levels that might not have shown up before in the past. This would be more obvious if equities were not weak right now, but you know, your passive indexer your passive allocator who just buys you know, buys the blood on the way down um, and dampens volatility. I, I don't know if they'll be here right now because of, obviously we're not in an accommodative environment, but the prior all-time high, the idea that we can't go below it, I think that that's kind of a bullshit concept too. I think from a structural standpoint, it looks like a, clearly it looks like a resistance because it was resistance before. Um, it was a one tap thing, right? It didn't do anything on the way back up the real meat of market structure that sits below us, below 30, right, is down around like 10,500 to 13,000. And not to say that to like inspire any fear, but it's just from a, a, you know, just a very objective point of view, right? The market structure, most of the volume, most of the activity took, took place. Um, most of the, most of the, um, I think, uh, most of the time, most of the volume as well took place between, you know, 10,000, 13,000. It's just a level to know. It's not like we have, you know, I'm not trying again, not trying to make anyone, um, you know, crap their pants, but the second part of your question was about ETH and Luna, Sol, Luna, AVAX, right? I am not an FA guy, but this is where I outsource my, uh, I outsource brain power. Every, every, and this, flies in the face of what i just said, right? cuz i just said how everyone that i, you know, highly respect, every really high performer in this market has been wrong multiple times in the last couple months. but for the most part the consensus is that this is going to be a really bullish catalyst. um it's more just about it's it's more than just something that's it it will it, involve a structural change to eat. So I, I think that the evidence is there that it should be bullish. I think a lot of people are bullish into it. At the same time, I, you know, I have to um, concede to the fact that this market doesn't price things in, right? It's very inefficient still. Um, so every time that something was deemed to be priced in, in this market, it, it really hasn't been. So, I'm not talking about legacy, but I'm talking about things that are, you know, like more idiosyncratic things with individual pairs in crypto. But that's in a bull market, right? So in, in a different context, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Like that's sometimes the best question. The best answer is I don't know when it comes to uh, ETH. I'm going to be trying to buy as much ETH as possible when I think that it's the time to buy BTC, when I think it's the time to pick up a boatload of BTC. Because I think that honestly it is... It's more than likely that, and sorry that this is so long-winded. It's more than likely that uh, ETH continues to outperform BTC. That's my opinion. I don't know a whole lot about Sol, Luna, AVAX, other than, you know, I I trade them frequently when the time is right. I know that Solana has a, you know, these things are young, so I don't want to shit on them too much because people work hard on them. But a network going down doesn't necessarily sound like it's a good thing. Um, But I don't want to continue to go on because, I will just uh, get myself wrapped up talking in circles. Oh, and you hopped off anyway. I must've talked your ear off, man. But I don't know when that is. I guess that's the most important thing to say too. I, I think that ETH is going to outperform, but I, and I think it has a network effect, right? That most of these other cryptos are are far, far from. Um, but I don't know when exactly that merge is going to occur. Uh, I think that that merge is very, I, I think the, that the boss right now, the, the big boss right now is is equities. And I think that any kind of positive development in a bear market um, hasn't led to a positive result. So I can't see ETH kind of doing its own thing unless we're, again, back into some kind of more accommodative or accommodative environment on the macro front. I must have talked you off the podcast, dude. Sorry about that. (laughs) All right. Who else wants to hop on? Got about 10 minutes left. Yeah, so ETH BTC has been, I mean, ETH has just been holding up better than BTC. But like I just said, I, I don't see us... Like, I think that that's just like temporary deviations. I don't think that it's something that's lasting um, because at the end of the day, if the S&P were to drop and we were to lose, like, let's just say 4K, um, there's no way that the entire crypto market doesn't take a haircut, right? I mean, if you you look at previous behavior, the S&P. BTC or just just comparing BTC alone and ETH is higher beta. Um, it's like usually a multiple of three or three three point five. We'll just say three to four. So if the S and P drops five percent, Bitcoin's dropping fifteen percent, right? Just rough sort of back of the envelope stuff. Um, if if we were to lose four K, I mean that's a significant psychological level. That is, I mean. It, That would be, I think, probably open us up down to 38. Um, And I think that no matter what, if we were to break down below there, I think S&P drags drags everything down. I I don't think like ETH would just kind of do its own thing and, oh, the merge is coming up. So, you know, fuck everything else. I also don't think that anyone should look at the S&P right now on a log chart and do that thing where you apply like the simplistic, overly simplistic TA-based thinking to something that is way more than an individual pair and has internals, right? Like Apple, like Microsoft, that could be holding up the market now, right? Much like BTC, but, or, you know, there's without a doubt, Apple has done a lot of lifting because it's 6% of the index, but... Um, you can't like over TA the S&P, right? It's it's not as easy as saying, oh, if we break a major psychological level that we're going to go all the way down to, you know, go down to immediately go down to the next, right? the next major cluster of activity. So a lot more involved. All right, maybe we'll wrap it up. I apologize for changing the time in you guys, but uh, adjustments needed to be made. I'd be, I'll be, I said i be, I'll be going live on uh, Tuesday if you guys want to hop on the stream. I, I, I promised for the longest time, like I said, that I'd be more active, trying to put out, you know, content. Um, really, it's just try I mean, really, it's so that you guys hop on and ask questions because shit, you guys will bang my DMs left and right all day, not you guys, but just to give you some insight all day, just question. And, and I really like to help people. Like that's that's the bone I've had in my body since I was a kid. Um, I've always wanted to help as many people as possible, but sometimes it gets tiring as hell and it's no fault of anyone else's, but it's just a hundred people, same question. So I'm thinking, okay, the market is shit right now. I could do two days a week where I hop on the, on the internet for an hour. I would normally be at the computer anyway. It's not. It's not a. It's not interrupting my trading time to do it around one p.m. Um, and then no one hops on and asks questions. But we'll just bang on the door of my DMs. Hey, Changus, what's up, man? You know, I think some people don't want to talk. Like they're they're maybe shy. So that def- that definitely could be it. It is kind of weird live streaming. And you ah, like so-
2: sorry, you. I muted hey, myself. What's no, no hey, what's Hang up? Hey, what's up?
1: Um, uh, what do you think about the I don't know I think very let's say unlucky purchases of Bitcoin by these big protocols lately I feel like they just, they kind of ape in with a very I don't know very bad approach do you know what's behind it or what's your thesis why they do it
0: I mean first, like first things first uh, it's very difficult to time the market for anybody right so one and and i think like i said in the last couple of years if you've been around you've learned so many things because you've seen so many different signs and and environments and behaviors and you know a stadium being named after crypto company and the time magazine effect you've had like a cornucopia of evidence to stack in your favor rather or data to stack in your favor to be a great trader moving forward. One thing you learn is that when people have a lot of money, it doesn't make them any better at playing the market. If anything, it's so if you have a fund, for example, so I had a I had a boutique for a little while and I wasn't a large boutique by any means, small, Um, very easy to trade sort of like a personal account because you're really nimble. Uh, If you're a fund, the sweet spot is it's you know, nine figures up to 10 figures. If you're trying to get involved in a market that is a small market to begin with, with over a billion dollars, it's it's not easy. Um, you can't just advertise your intentions necessarily, but you're doing it in crypto because your first moves are usually going to be public, right? Unless you're going to somehow obfuscate that. Um, what we've seen is that hasn't been the case. Um, Do Doquan has been very loud. Michael Saylor's always been sort of banging the drum, but hasn't necessarily talked about when he was going to buy. sailor has been a little bit more, uh, uh, um, Doquan has been a little bit more public. sailor has been, you know, they've announced the purchases afterward. They haven't been, he hasn't been as like, Gentlemen that now summarizes them. So if you are unable to make it, uh, 17 bidding on Twitter has been kind enough to take on that role of being the person that summarizes streams. He does it. Um, he does it very well, uh, captures, I, I advertised this role, had a bunch of people send me summaries, um, so if, if anyone is in here that did, I, I, all of them were awesome. It was very difficult to pick. Um, very difficult to pick. I mean, it's very difficult to pick anything, right? When you have a, a you have so many things, uh, to pick from, but he, he did the best job. And honestly, he captures all the points that I think are worth driving home, um, does it in a really clear and concise manner. So if you don't make the stream, if you can't make the streams, I understand. And, uh, I post those after and it's. It's on his medium um, and it covers the gist of everything that I think is worth touching on. So, all right, guys, until uh, next Friday, everyone have a great weekend. I will talk to you soon.